This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to Reporters Without Orders. Order, order. Hello and welcome to Reporters Without Orders, a podcast where we talk about what made news, what didn't and some things that absolutely shouldn't have. I'm your host Tanishka Sodhi and joining me in the studio today is my colleague Shiv Narayan Rajparohit. Hi Shiv. Hi. And we also have Paujal Chauba, the executive editor of Frontier Manipur, a leading news portal in Manipur. Paujal's team has been reporting extensively on the conflict in Manipur from the very start and we'll be getting some valuable insights from him. Joining us online is uh, Prajwal Bhatt from the News Minute. Hi Prajwal, how are you doing? Hi, Thank good. you so much for joining us. Prajwal and Shiv have been reporting from Manipur over the past few weeks and Paujal has of course been there from the very start. I remember Frontier Manipur was one of the first organizations that was reporting um, extensively on the conflict. Thank you so much for joining us guys. Pleasure. Pleasure. So Prajwal's story investigates the highly publicized war on drugs campaign by the Manipur government and finds that heroin has gotten cheaper and more popular. It also dwells into the history of how poppy became a lucrative alternative to farmers because of its quick planting to harvesting time span and how it is one of the factors at the heart of the conflict. Shiv's story, meanwhile, uh, sheds light on an interesting trend about how over 2,000 government employees have been transferred to work from districts from where they feel safe uh, with the numeric strength of their community. This is one of the lesser explored impacts of the conflict and we'll be speaking about this in detail. Shiv, we'll start with your story. Um, so the mass transfers are of course a consequence of the conflict but uh, what is one of the consequences of these uh, you know, transfers? How is it affecting law and order and administration? Before the conflict started, the strength of government staff was evenly spread. So most of the IS officers you'll find in the Secretariat in Imphal, the valley area which is dominated by Metis. After the conflict, there were a lot of tribal bureaucrats who were working from Imphal. So if you if you remember when the violence started, in the initial days, DGP at the time, the then DGP, Dongal, his house was attacked. One MLA was attacked, Kuki MLA was attacked. So depending on the ethnicity, doesn't matter how high, like what your position is in the society or in the government, everyone was attacked. So same thing happened with the bureaucrats or police officers or IPS officers. They did not feel safe. So they fled to the districts, the hilly areas. I mean, talking about the Kuki, uh, IPS and IS officers, they fled to hilly districts. Before they were transferred. Yeah. So they fled to these areas. Right. And then the government, initially the government, first the government said that there would be no work, no pay. Okay. Then the Supreme Court came with some order. Then they said like these bureaucrats or police officers, they can report from districts where they feel safe. So the impact of these mass transfers, these are not exactly transfers. I mean, the government is calling is service utilization order. Okay. So the transfer will happen if there are sanctioned posts. Right. So if I could give you an example of Churachandpur district. Churachandpur district is dominated by Kukizo tribes. So there in the district collector's office or deputy commissioner's office, the sanctioned post is only of 30, there are only 30 sanctioned posts. But since so many Kuki and and Zo bureaucrats have gone to this, this district, the number has gone up. Okay. So there can't be formal transfer, it's just service utilization order that right. the government has come up with. So were these orders asked for formally or was it because they were fleeing to districts that the government decided to make it a... Um... Mm. In its submission to the Supreme Court, Manipur government said that these orders were passed at the convenience of of government employees okay. or on their insistence. That's This is what the government has said. Right. Of course, you can't, uh, you can't get any work done if these people are not at their original posting. So, of course, there is some e-office portal through which bureaucrats can work from home also but at the same time they're posting i mean they are they are working from area where they feel safe and how has this affected law and order and administration in general administration in sense most of the uh, tribal bureaucrats or tribal ips officers or senior police officers a lot of them several of them have gone back to hill districts so the strength staff strength in hill districts has increased and in the valley district, there are six valley districts in Manipur. There, the staff strength has gone down. So, if we could, if I could give an example of again Churachandpur district, 
before the violence chuachanpur police uh, had 500 personnel okay in their ranks after violence 600 more police personnel have come to chuachanpur district all of them are cookies are from cookies or tribes so the number ha- number has doubled so the police officers there they are saying that now it helps us in law and order situation but i mean the impact is reverse in valley in the police ranks in the valley the number has gone down so lot of cases have been filed in the in in the valley okay lot of cases related to conflict so they will have problem in investigating the cases in assigning cases to because each police policeman is handling several cases so this is the impact of this uneven spread of police personnel and bureaucrats okay and uh, these transfers which i think are over 2000 in number hmm. these have been over the last 3 months or was there a particular month where hmm. um, all of the transfer happened uh, this is not the updated figure this is i mean the story is based on the affidavit the manipur government filed in supreme court okay. early august like there are se- there were several orders right there are orders from the high court also like how how high court staff was transferred so it involves various departments various arms of the manipur government i mean dates vary like some yeah. some orders were passed in june some in july so i think up to july 31st we can it's safe to say up to july 31st okay mm. and uh paujal so it has been over, almost 4 months i think since the conflict mm. began has it has there been any uh, major improvement or uh, is there a timeline as to you think till when the conflict will continue yes it has been surprising such a long time yeah without the intervention of both the state and the center while at the same time the government who should be responsible and the center who should be looking after the state in in a certain way are doing nothing as we have seen about recent uh, fiasco in the parliament and uh, yesterday only our assembly session was shut down 11 minutes with more uh, what do you say comments on chandrayan rather than on the actual issue which was supposed to be deliberated and resolutions could have been taken so in order to uh, answer that question what i would say is that state government is not committed uh, the politicians do not have that particular morality or the ethics or the spine that they are supposed when they took uh, to do when they took the oath of office they're supposed to safeguard the interests of the state yeah. and its citizens so now why do we prolong four months when you can control the situation in less than 48 hours at the most what i'm talking about here is the security provision that is being the setup that is there in manipur right. so there are more like 80000 plus troops of all kinds the assam rifles the army the crpf the itbf the raf the bsf so when so many troops with unlimited supply of uh, infrastructure and weapons and on military precision i mean you can you can reach anywhere in 6 hours yeah So when the conflicts are happening in the eastern the northern southern western wherever the place maybe it is no problem no issue for the military or any other central forces or the state forces to control so what i feel is that this uh, violence is deliberately met to brew up, to keep the pot brewing why how would the government gain from the violence continuing yeah so that is the million dollar question what i see here is like the connection of manipur in a geopolitical scenario when the indian government has got this uh, which was formerly act is uh, look is policy the act is policy we have the resources of uh, i think prezol and uh, my friend see must all all be aware of this but that we have got this mineral reserves of gas of petroleum of uranium chromite or limestone you know and this mining has already been uh, the orders have been given to private entities already as per an ani report which i read it is on record so on the other side the act is policy for the trans asian highway to go through to all the other asian countries it has to pass through manipur yeah and the security provision there earlier is not adequate was not adequate or uh, there was no commitment to safeguard the borders right now as of recent when the some sort of a bifurcation of sorts happened of one community shifting to chuchanpur and the other in kangpokpi district and some people in tengnopal the whole crossover i mean the segregation so why this is happening is there something more than what meets the eye yeah is it being done deliberately some political observers and some experts have already given their views that this is a premeditated move by some agencies in par 
for some means, some objectives. So coming back to your question, I would say that like there are some things which are happening for a bilateral trade, bilateral issues with Myanmar also, because for the safety of the economic uh, progress, right. for the safety of the train, for the safety of the uh, foreigners who are going to be there as Manipur is going to be the main land port, the exit and the entry side of the international border. So you have to sanitize these particular areas and uh, that law and order should be there to prevail. So why so many troops right now? Right. And how are the people of Manipur reacting to uh, Birin Singh and the state government's efforts or rather lack of efforts to control the situation? Has there just been a major sense of disappointment or do they still have hopes that the government will intervene and resolve matters? I will not speak on behalf of the Manipuri public, but on my uh, personal opinion, see, he does not have that particular commitment to act by himself. Right. He is a Manipuri, he is a Maite. He should have that integrity that he should put his foot down a long time back and control the situation. Yeah. By controlling the situation, the Manipuri police are already adept in containing all sorts of riots because we have seen a lot of them. APSPA, the June 18 riots, you name it. So they are quite proficient in controlling the riots. So why couldn't they do, do so on the fateful uh, day of May 3rd? Right. That could have been contained. Because we have enough police personnel, the MR, the IRB, paramilitary forces already there, central forces already there, that could have been pumped into action. But why the delay? Now, what I would say is that our chief minister is lacking his political, uh, what do you say, firmness in bringing about a solution to this. Because it could early, be, uh, early have been done. But rather, I think that he's being taken for a right in some ways. Also with orders from the center, because we know that he will not, he is jumping the loops that as a, like some in a circus of whatever the center is telling him to do, jump this loop, do this and that. So he is not interested in committing to the interest of the Manipuri public. How? Just by the yesterday's example of the assembly session. Because when the whole house is burning down, when your whole house is burning down, you are just engrossed with your TV and the remote and which channel you should watch. Because the <laughs> BJP uh, brass told him to watch that particular video and speak on it. Hence the focus on Chandrayaan, but not on when your whole house yeah. is bur rather burning down. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Shiv and Prajwal, I'd like to ask you guys to, uh, you know, you all spent a couple of weeks in Manipur, interacted with locals across regions. Can you tell me what, um, how they are feeling right now, or even if it's the thoughts of a couple of people, are they, do they still have hopes from the government? Uh, are they disappointed? Are they angry? Or uh, where do they think this is going to go? See, I spent uh, a little less than three weeks in Manipur uh, the, uh, this month, and uh, uh, what Shiv has spoken about at the start, uh, you know, this deepening divide. So when he says that bureaucrats are being transferred, it speaks of a divide that is almost unheard of in Indian history. I think uh, this kind of partition or this kind of divide between two communities is, is a rare occurrence in, in our history. And you will feel that as soon as you begin reporting in Manipur, whether you are in Imphal, whether you're in Churachampur, uh, whether you're in any of the uh, hill areas, the the divide is so much more than the physical border that has come up in uh, Bishnupur and in, in a few other areas which are manned by armed and paramilitary forces. You will see that in every sense, uh, the two communities are talking uh, inconsistent words or parallel words where they want to be completely separate at least for the time being. And uh, one of the things that uh, surprised me was the visceral uh, hatred that I saw between the two communities for each other. Uh, they, I think that some of that is the reason why on the uh, peripheries or in the uh, boundaries between the hill and the valley areas, you're still seeing uh, an armed conflict of the kind that India has probably not seen. Okay, and uh, Prajwal, I want to speak about your story now. Uh, it highlights how the average age of uh, at which youngsters get addicted to drugs has drastically reduced from 20 to 21 years to 14 to 15 years now, which is a, a very alarming age. Uh, can you elaborate on what are the possible reasons for this? So earlier, Prajwal mentioned the Trans-Asian Highway. So when I was reporting in Manipur, the one thing that I kept hearing is that uh, since the 1980s, when roads started being built uh, to connect Manipur with Myanmar and you know the, the, the road network improved, the train network improved, 
along with the transfer of materials like timber and you know other essential materials the transfer of illicit drugs has always been uh, part of the manipur story right. and uh, since the 80s that the white powder heroin has been thriving industry in myanmar and then manipur has been the route by which it has entered uh, indian cities so uh, what we were looking at is a story that uh, looked at this from the user's perspective it is this is this story yeah. did not go into who is the cartel or who is the uh, kingpins who are driving this trade we know that uh, that is a very difficult uh, question to answer at this point but what the story that we reported from manipur is also the story of every a uh, youngster in the region who is surrounded by an abundant availability of heroin in fact the price of the street price of heroin i found has dropped drastically to as little as rupees 100 for a gram it uh, in the delivery of manipur so uh, it's an alarming trend that many people both in himself and the hill districts can see it could see it coming the state seems to be fighting a war on drugs Uh, with an absence of data to understand just how many people are affected, so how will we know uh, somewhere down the line that you know uh, whether you're winning the drugs or whether you made an improvement in this case? So it's a question that many people uh, asked uh, in Manipur. Yeah, so the state government has been waging a war on drugs for the last five years, and it has publicized many things. They arrest about two thousand five hundred people. from all communities in fact uh, the kuki community is not the community from where uh, most of the arrests have happened uh, it's the maitai pangals uh, uh, valley based community that follows islam that has been arrested the most number of times by the police and also it has publicized the removal of poppy fields so this is in the hill district this is in places where the kuki population lives and then uh, kuki uh, groups believe that this is affecting or altering their economy this is affecting uh this is coming straight for the economy of the farmers who live in the hill areas so there is uh, among the many factors that has led to this violence this was also a topic of discussion with many believing that this war on drugs is a screen to uproot the uh, communities living in the hills okay and uh, like you've mentioned in your story the anti drug initiatives are one of the main pole planks of the bjp when it rose to power in 2017 so what went uh, so horribly wrong that you know uh, like your story points out towards the uh, age decreasing and the drugs getting cheaper is it the lack of data like you said or uh, is there another reason why this uh, war on drugs has failed the state government is right now trying to get a picture of the number of drug users in manipur uh, for the first time there is the last available data was a union government survey from 2019 okay so every state government official that i spoke to said the number of drug users has increased the number of rehab centers has increased in fact the state government opened its first rehab center in 2022 so there is admission that the number of people uh, who are taking drugs had increased in this period but there seems to be no data to show exactly how many people are uh, use injecting drug users in manipur but we know that the number is fairly high what went wrong is uh, is something that people who are there uh, who are uh, reporting there can speak more about but one thing that pavel has also reported in the last four years there are so many uh, inconsistencies with the state government's war on drugs one of the reports uh, highlighting this is a report by the frontier manipur that last year which showed that uh, birin singh met with an australian businessman who was later uh, arrested in a high profile drug case in mumbai so uh, and in fact that combined with the fact that brinda kanajam uh, ex police officer and now opposing politician to birin talked about uh, birin singh shielding uh, the arrest of a, a drug lord who comes from the kuki community uh, you you begin to see that this war on drugs has not been entirely genuine and uh, at the same time uh, the uh, state seems to be fighting a war on drugs without recognizing just how many people are affected by this and how they can you know displace the war on drugs is it only looking at the number of people who are uh, you know planting poppy but or is it also holistically looking at the number of people in rehabs and also who is profiting from the process drug which is where most of the money 
seems to be at and not where uh, not only in the uh, stage of which uh, coffee planters make money okay pajal can you also expand on what prajwal is saying he spoke about a report that you guys had done about this and i also want to ask uh, one question about war on drugs and war against drug abuse can both be delinked because biren singh says it's war on drugs right so maybe he's focusing only on poppy cultivation right but not looking at people who are using drugs because the government still doesn't have the number how many drug users are there in the state so you can see the commitment that the government have as like prajol has mentioned hmm. this is a for our war that they have been fighting supposedly fighting for so many years and then now they don't have the numbers of how many drug users are there yeah. how many rehab centers etc you know? and uh, is it just destruction of poppy in the hills mm. which is some sort of a just an exercise to show the public for public uh, what do you say consumption right pr and exercise a big pr exercise of sorts when actually uh, how can you go and uh, destroy 50 hectares of poppy plantation in a one day is that what they have claimed they have claimed it on <laughs> photographs mm. and on some videos okay. in our local medias mm. but when you actually go there you can see the magnitude of the poppy plantation mm. and the people who are supposed to be they have to be a little bit fit also fit in the sense like they have to go to the hills that is a big terrain by your but like you know how the hills are yeah. mm. and it's a quite a tough terrain to just go down uphill and you have to have that particular strength and a particular you have to spend at least like one month you know to mm. eradicate all those poppy fields in one time mm. so in addressing that situation perhaps there was one or couple of drones being purchased by the mm. manipur government mm. so that they could uh, spray mm. uh, this herbicides mm. and some sort of uh, chemicals from the drone mm. so that they can do it in some very easy manner yeah. because some of the students are very tough as i said mm. but coming back to your uh, question i would say the number of addiction the number of addicts and has there been a total uh, curve mm. on drug use are there some uh, what do you say drug rehabilitation programs mm. and uh, counseling programs which are being taken up by the government it's okay. like we don't see any of that mm-hmm. and uh, in a way i would say that <laughs> when you are fighting the war against drugs we can congratulate drugs for winning the war mm. <laughs> yeah honestly speaking because you don't have the numbers mm. you don't have anything but just for the peer exercise now the government has to be committed mm. in more than one way they have to be acting on it yeah. seriously but i can't see much of that happening in reality yeah and pajal and prajwal can you uh, tell us about how this has been one of the factors at the heart of the conflict prajwal you want to go first So that is a, i think you you mentioned earlier about a million dollar question right so we don't know the uh, exact link at the moment but uh, what we do know is that many people believe that the kind of sophisticated weapons that you're seeing in the conflict is also thanks to the money that comes from the drug trade so there is a lot of money involved this is something that everybody you talk to about this will admit it is also one of the underlying reasons why the kuki naga conflict happened uh, in the 90s hmm. and the kukis believed that it was crucial even though they lost more lives in that conflict that they managed to retain control of more a border town that connects uh, manipur to uh, myanmar so this is something that many people believe uh, is at the heart of the conflict and at least uh, if in conversations with kuki groups it, it it is certainly something that keeps coming up again and again is as an source of tension between the two communities of course they have many other reasons they believe that uh, this con- the reasons for this conflict goes back uh, much earlier than 2023 it goes back to 2015 and a series of bills that have been passed uh, that targeting uh, the you know manipuri identity the the land use and the shops and business establishments in the state but uh, what they unanimously agree is that the war on drugs taken in context with all the other factors is also another reason why uh, the conflict is being uh, you know been going on for so long okay pajal do you have a different take or more or less the same yes we are all saying that uh, there should be an extermination of this culture of poppy plantation yeah. and a drug trade and uh, i would agree with prazol because it is a huge huge business yeah in the un drugs report there was about 18 billion pills of methamphetamine uh, this what do you say 
upper the WY, the Yaba tablets, the methamphetamine tablets okay. being produced annually with a net worth of around 9 to $10 billion. That's a huge amount in itself. So that is being produced in some of the forest areas. And uh, you can see that Manipur has a porous border of around 400 kilometers, which is unmanned. So the trafficking of drugs is so much that in our papers, in our local papers, it's like brown sugar, 1 kg, 3 kg, 5 kg, hundreds and thousands of WY tablets being caught on a de- uh, arrested and on a daily basis. Yeah. However, there's one thing also, even if you catch the drugs, you're just catching the mules, the ones, the transporters. Right. I think uh, she will help me over there because he interviewed Brinda Thonausam, right. the police officer of NAB. She was the one who said Shiv, that the cartels, the leaders, the drug lords are just roaming freely because they have the power. They have the money mm. to override the system. Do they have protection also? I mean, I'm assuming must be heavy protection to... When you're in a billion dollar business, you will have arms, you will have bodyguards, yeah. you can pay off the cops, you can pay off the politicians, you can turn everyone into uh, into your side with the amount of money that you have. Mm. So I believe, I think, uh, Steve can... Yeah, another that. thing that um, during the interview, Brinda told us that how this drug money is playing a role in politics... So she told us that uh, almost every politician who stands for election, so they fight election with the help of drug money. Like I don't think so. Manipur, Manipur doesn't have big industries. Like what runs Manipur's economy? Uh, is it is it the black economy or is it drug money? So everything boils down to the fact that there's so much money that people earn from drugs that it involves every segment of the society and. If you see in this conflict, politicians are nowhere to be seen. And their assembly constituencies are very small. Like each sem- like one assembly constituency will have around 30,000, 40,000 mm-hmm. people. And you can pay them, right? Like it's not when you're earning in crores yeah. and when you are bankrolled by drug lords. So same thing what uh, Prajul was telling about uh, Brinda Thaunjam that when she caught one of the drug lords in Chandel district and that drug lord... Uh, is said to be is said to be close to uh, Biren Singh. So when she caught that drug lord, Biren Singh said, "You should let him go." She has said in an affidavit to the court, saying that she was forced to let go of that drug lord. Though she, I think she confiscated a huge amount of of drugs, right? And that that seized drug, no, that was that went missing from Malkana. Yes, yes. That's surprising. <laughs> Which is also a rare rare example of a drug lord being caught too. Hmm. Uh, People have told us. You will see, like Chaba said, every day there will be arrests made of lower level uh, drug smugglers, people who are running processing labs. So in the last few years, not only are drugs coming from Myanmar, but also being processed in small factories in and around Manipur itself. So this was one of the cases where a drug lord was actually arrested and, and the drug lord was let, let go. Lukose is out. And interesting, yeah. interestingly, I'll add on to that because I did a story on that when the SP, the superintendent of police mm. and a senior lawyer mm. came to the NAB, the mm. Narcotics uh, and Affairs of Border, mm. when they had put up the charge sheet mm. to the NDNPS court saying that this is the investigation. We have finished our investigation. This mm. is the charge sheet that we have submitted. Mm. So the SP and the senior advocate mm. came to the court and tried to take out the charge sheet. Mm. So now the question is like, is the government really committed on the fight against yeah. drugs when the, they are being, in a way, ordered, authorized mm. to take out, to mess around with the investigation? And as Prasol was saying, mm. how can the original evidence, mm. which are part of the investigation, just disappear from the police Malkana? Mm. Did the rats eat it away? Mm. Or like did it just simply oh did a vanishing trick or did some magician come over there? Mm. So if a magician did come over there, we were asking, <laughs> what did you do with your magic yeah. wand? <laughs> and uh, surprising enough, there was an investigation of the two officers in command, in charge. One who was just shifted into the NAB and someone who was outgoing. So both of the officers were investigated and nothing was there at the end of the report. Mm. Thus, I said that I concluded that the rats would not have eaten it, mm. but this is the seriousness or the lack of seriousness of the commitment of the war against of uh, against drugs that we are fighting. And the drug lord we are talking about, he was at the time the 
ADC ADC stands for Autonomous District, District Council. Council. He was the chairperson. Chairperson eh? of the BJP, mind you, okay. another BJP from person from Chandel District. From Chandel District. Wow. So I just want to say at this point, the outcome of all that we're talking about right now is that you know uh, youngsters in Manipur are just uh, finding the 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 most popular heroine more abundantly available. So what used to be something that a rich person used to do, maybe. Hmm. a decade ago now i met a lot of working class families who say that they have no problem affording a hit so they are there because of not only because they find it cool to you know uh, uh, try drugs but they also there because of socio economic vulnerability there are also working in drug rehab centers so it's a story of a generation lost that we're talking about in manipur and uh, this is something that uh, ties in with all the other things that you're seeing More, more young people who are holding guns. More and more young people who are uh, becoming part of the armed conflict, or spreading hatred in any other way. Right, uh, mm. and this is a um, sensitive issue as well. And like you mentioned, your story focused on the users rather than the cartels. Was it difficult to gain their trust to speak about this? Um, to you know, you visited, I think, rehabilitation centers also and met a lot of individuals. Uh, was that was it an obstacle for you to, uh, like I said, gain their trust? I mean, I think uh, um, you, the, the 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 obstacle to get past is to. tell them that the story is not to try and put them in the center of the conversation because the lot of the way the state sees a drug user is they look at okay what is wrong with this person but rather than that i think the approach should be to look at what is the wrong that has been done to that person that that person has been uh, afflicted uh, by yeah. a drug addiction because a lot of the times people have taken to drugs uh uh because of the situation they find themselves in and it's that kind of empathetic conversation that they need to hear from the state what do they hear from the state to see that you know in the papers there will be one person who's been caught smuggling drugs and they will be plastered uh you know in the in in the in the newspaper yeah. and, and said that they, these many people have been arrested so uh, the the part about gaining their trust was just about telling them that this story is not uh, looking at uh, you know the fact that the drug user is a criminal right. but uh, in fact looking at the fact that somebody who uses drugs is there because of a certain situation and there is a lot that has to be done from a holistic state's yeah. point of view to uh, improve the conversation around drugs and and also you know uh, look at this as a, a public health issue rather than as a criminal one definitely mm. yeah i have uh, one question to all of you as you said drug is one of the factors that may be driving this conflict but i think for me like prajul has done a lot of stories we did 10 15 stories from manipur and paujal has always yeah. been there in manipur one one of the most important factor is uh, factors is land right the issue of land in valley occupies 10% of manipur land hill districts occupy 90% of rest 90% of the land hmm. and if you look at the population it's it's not population if you look at the budgetary allocation it's reverse so 90% of budgetary allocation goes to the valley districts and only 10% to hill districts how big is the land uh, issue is, is the 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 fight to get land because people from valley they can't buy land in hill districts mm-hmm. because the hill districts are protected by laws tribal laws mm-hmm. I would say that like land is also always a bone of contention. Hmm. It's not only for Manipur, but yeah. for everywhere. Everywhere, also. yeah. If yeah. you see the court case, most of the court cases mm-hmm. are related to land yeah. dispute. Mm-hmm. So I would say that uh, there has to be certain amendments also hmm. in made in certain uh, the Manipur Land Reforms and Land Revenues Act of 1960. Hmm. But uh, as you were saying that there is a huge mass of land which constitutes around 90 percent hmm. in the hill areas where we cannot go and settle hmm. as per the law. Hmm. but as per the indian citizens uh, citizenship act hmm. any person anyone who is willing or hmm. rather has got money can come and buy hmm. land hmm. anywhere in in for this uh, the valley districts hmm. so the one sidedness of that hmm. when there is a huge tract of land where you cannot go to and uh, those people who have got enough land can come and buy land hmm. not only the local communities but people from outside also hmm. because our economy is also controlled by people from outside the marwaris the jains the six mm. you know the biharis 
as you have gone through uh, Tangal Bazaar and uh, Pauna Bazaar, mm. you must have seen that mm. the groceries, the supplies, mm. the everything from A to Z mm. is being controlled by people, people from outside, outside Manipur. Manipur. Yeah. So uh, where do we live? Where do we go now? Mm. That is the bone of contention in a way. Mm. Because we need at least some fairness in the land and property rights issues. Yeah. Mm. So this is one of the main issues which we can talk about. But why should it be deliberated? In the state assembly, of course. Mm. So when you have difference with any community or otherwise, there, there will always be differences. Yeah. Mm. But you have to sit down together and hammer out a solution. Mm. You know? Which yep. is not happening. Which is not happening. And as I was saying, as you said, the drug issue, the land issue, as Siv had pointed out. So these are the issues which needed to be deliberated in even a one-day session. Yeah. They could have talked about it for a couple of hours mm. just to show that they have something in their hearts that they care for the state, they care for all the communities. Mm. But now we can see it is quite evident right. that the politicians do not care about the state, do not care are not serious about the war against drugs. They are not serious about amendments in the MLR and the LRX, or they can enact another bill which will protect the interests of both com- or any communities yeah. in Manipur. That fairness can be there. But now the situation is such that our so-called Maitai Nongsa, we call it a Maitai Lion. So the Maitai Lion, the politicians in a way, are being tamed by the central BJP brass. Mm. And now they are being to just like a trained lion that or tiger you see in the circus, they are just made to jump over the loops yeah. that they are being told to mm. without the interest of the public. Mm. This is the bottom line. That so the uh, land issue, the drugs issues, they are definitely the underlying factors. But the boiling point was the protest on May 3rd, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That uh, sort of brought it all together and started the violence. That was the trigger, but that the, was not the... Yes, the you can issue. say that I think the unity that we have in a way maybe called pseudo-unity of sorts because every community has to got their own uh, interests. Yeah. As you are all aware of the various other communities have their political, uh, what do you say, mm, their ideology. Right. And there's always a political fight. And the cookies are calling for a Jalangam, a promised land, also the Nagas also. For a greater framework agreement, uh, greater Nagalim. Mm. And uh, on the side, we have our mighty uh, the insurgents mm. who are calling, who also have a political fight on their hands. Mm. So there are these various, various dimensions that has to be taken into consideration. Yeah. Mm. And uh, once you say that something can be have triggered, you know, it's not like who cast the first, yeah. first stone. Mm. It's like who made them throw the stones at each other. Mm. That is one thing that I thing that we should all focus yeah. on because that if the incidents and the violence erupts, we can say that behind every communal violence, there is always a political gain of mm-hmm. sorts. So hence I'm saying if in a way some sort of a union, terri- sorry, territorial council is given to some people, mm-hmm. some financial uh, leeway is given right. to some community, mm-hmm. then with the present situation of one community going over, being segregated, and if you're giving them financial empowerment, one that also constitute an autonomy of sorts. Yeah. Because money is all that in speaks much louder. Mm. So I believe that the central government has got some hidden agenda up its sleeve. And that's why the present situation is made to go on. Mm. We Two people were killed yesterday, far, mm. farmers, and eight were injured. Narayan Sena, right? Yeah, Narayan Sena. Mm. You must have gone over there. Mm. So what is going on? Yeah. When the farmers are getting killed, mm. when the public are getting killed, mm. now the politicians, as you say, mm. their lethargy and their importance mm. is condemnable at the highest. Mm. Yeah. And uh, Paujal, you have reported on violence in the uh, valley before, but I think this has been unprecedented, the scale and how long it has been going on. Um, you've been not just reporting on it, you've also been leading a team, you know, uh, that has been reporting from the very start. Can you tell us what have been the major challenges? I remember having a conversation with you on the very first week of this violence, but it has really, uh, you know, escalated on unprecedented scales. So I 
I'd just like to know from you how have you gone about uh, facing these obstacles, whether it's from the government, whether it's internet, whether it's you know mob frenzy, uh, just all of it. If you can just tell us a little bit about that, or whether it is moving from one ta- one district to another. Right, and whether also protecting your team uh, as and, an editor. I'm sure and, that is also something you've had to always. Whether, whether you and protecting your own mental health. Is <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> yes, and whether you could cover both sides. I think in our weathers, we've asked him like twenty things. Now you can uh, just answer it however yes, yes, you want. I'll would. put all of that in one way. Sure. <laughs> Because in reporting a conflict which you have never seen witness hmm. in your journalistic yeah. career, this is the first time that we have wit- witnessed such violence. Hmm. You know, and uh, it also took us by surprise. We did not know that such violence, such killings, and such lootings may be in on either side. But as a journalist, you have to be fair. You have to balance. You have to seek out both sides. But now comes a uh, situation when you cannot go over and ask the views of the other community. That itself is a very, very, very what do you say? It is a predicament where we have never been, and the canons of journalism has gone for a toss because of the physical restraints. No, since he is a meeti, he right. can't go to Bukhi. I am a meeti. Right. I am a journalist. Yeah. So. As a journalist, I have to be fair, yeah. right? So I have to also cover the cu- cookie side. Mm. So when I cannot go over to the other side, I tried once. Mm. I tried once going over there, <laughs> and nearly uh, escaped with my life thanks oh my to the God. army's uh, this uh, some sort of intervention. Okay. We had gone there for a bunker busting program in the cookie area. Mm. So we met this cookie chief, and he said, "All the bunkers we have dismantled, etc., etc. Mm. And uh, if we would like to go and talk to the." Women over there. Right. So we went over there, and there was around 300, 400 women sitting there in a big church. And uh, when we went there, they saw us. They asked us which uh, media houses we are from, and they said that we don't want Maiti people here. We don't want Maiti reporters here. You people are biased. Mm-hmm. So when they say that they are biased, we are coming there at the risk of our life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to cover the other side. Mm-hmm. We know that we can. We can. We are in for big trouble also. Yeah. If something goes wrong, and it did go wrong, mm-hmm. and. Uh, We were made to go inside our vehicle mm. at Tata Safari, yeah. where five or six of us were inside, and they asked us for our cameras, our mobile phones. They snatched it away from us. On the other side, some guys were there. On the other side, they are trying to get inside, mm. saying kill the mates, you know, all the things. So they were about to close the gate. Mm. If the gate were closed, mm. we are gone in mm. a way. Mm. I, I just sincerely believe that. Mm. But thanks to the quick decision making of the army, yeah. that the gate there was one gypsy in between, so they didn't close the gate, mm. and we drove drove out 10 meters in 15 minutes. Mm. In 15 minutes, it took us that long mm. just to get through the crowd, mm. and the army leading, and of course the chief also helped us a little bit yeah. in clearing because all the women and all the people had started moving the entire the vehicle. So we just escape. This particular incident, I am just uh, repeating because how can we be fair then? Yeah. How can we expect local media to be fair when you are not given access to the other community? Mm. And as about stress wise, those things have. Uh, when you have been in this particular shooting incidents, these areas of violence, you have seen all these killings, mm. and when you yourself was in such a situation where that you can you just nearly escape with your life, mm. those stress builds up, mm. and uh, when you have. This not just dreams, but mm. some sort of a nightmares dream mm. when you are attacked mm. from all angles. Like the violence of these nightmares, they are in a way you can't sleep. Also, and you have a big tension, and your family, of course, your family is worried that if you're going to come back alive the next day after reporting, because we are going to this incident uh, shooting areas, the exchange of fires happening without any safety mm. equipment. At all, that is also one big hurdle. I would say that we all had to face, including what I'll add on in such a digital age of the Modi ji, mm. digital India has gone for a toss in Manipur, and since May fourth, the all the internet facilities have been down, and I am the one, mm. one among the the first one mm. among the petitioners of a public interest litigation that we put up in court, mm. and the contest is still going on in court, but at least they have allowed some broadband. On a temporary, uh, some sort of a temporary basis to operate. So, when you are face, uh, you are working, you are used to working with your mobile and WhatsApp and also so, Insta, Twitter, uh, X now. Yeah. 
then when you can't get access to any of it, this is quite interesting because in the first time in four months, I'm here in Delhi and I can see that, that my, my mobile is working, the internet is working. <laughs> oh, it's like you're suddenly feeling a, yeah. at least relaxed. In a way, you're feeling alive. You can get your tickets. You can go. You can see you on the Google map where you're supposed to see. When Prajola and uh, she was there in Manipur, they had to go via human uh, Right. Uh, I mean, without Google Maps, Google Maps navigating Google Maps. a... Yeah. Mm, so those were the challenges I think and this uh, my I friend think, yeah. yeah I'd like to know the from Shivan Prajwal you both as well I think the challenges well. uh, are more for local journalists because I was I spoke with journalists from the hills and the valley both sides they're saying what you see in local media is not journalism it's just the agenda that each community is peddling because tribal journalists they can't go to valley district to get other side of the story same with methis as as paujil just explained which is leading to a lot of misinformation also true true mm. uh, if if i could i think when i was interviewing uh, brinda thauna jam she talked about one story which came out in imphal free press at the time there was gun fight at the foothills and imphal free press said that the 10 kuki militants were killed and the same day i called up churachandpur district hospital i asked him the toll i asked them about the toll this is this only two bodies we have received so of course if imphal free press uh, calls churachandpur hospital of course they would not answer because they know imphal free press is not doing good journalism so of course they would not answer but then i'm um, i'm i'm saying that even people who are well informed who are who seem to be well informed they yeah. are citing a paper whose headline was wrong so I mean, it's the situation right now. It's not that they want to do it. It's a situation that there's a lot of misinformation that is creating, that is uh, increasing the divide between the communities. Right. And what was a major obstacle that uh, you faced uh, reporting from Manipur? Not obstacle. Uh, I think we local journalists, including Paujil, they helped us a lot. Right. So we didn't face much of problem. The only problem, I think, like uh, we reported from the front line from both sides. So once I went with the Pratik from Methi side, then the I think after a few days I went to the hilly area, where we saw the actual gunfight, where bullets were flying right, left, and center. I mean, people were using automatic weapons, and both sides are are supported by underground groups, militant groups. Right. I mean, there is no question about it. Right. And uh, like, when hmm. you go on the field, are there safety gears that uh, you are able to access and use? I think when I was in uh, on the hill side, I was not wearing any bulletproof vest. Okay. But when I when I was on the Methi side, we uh, were given bulletproof jackets. Okay. So I think. Prajwal, what about you? Hmm. Uh, is there any particular challenge uh, unique to this uh, reporting from Manipur that you had to overcome? We in fact uh, had a bulletproof jacket thanks to Pajal. Uh, who you haven't you haven't given me bulletproof jacket, Pajal. Yeah, I did not uh, like. Uh, unlike many journalists, I did not go extensively to cover the frontline areas. Mm. I did go to the bunkers on both the Maitai side and the Kuki side, but that was not uh, something that I focused on in my reporting stint there. Um, in fact, uh, in one occasion, I actually took a bunch of snacks from Imphal to Churachandpur just to you know pass it along to somebody who wanted to pass on snacks to a friend. So. journalists like me and uh, the uh, who have come from the outside and who are reporting there could move freely across the state and uh, people there caught on to this after a few days of reporting there and they decided to you know start sending stuff with me to give to people they know from the other side in the hills so this is I, this is the first time i was reporting anywhere in the region so the, the, that way i think uh, it was uh, uh, the challenge was to try to understand uh you know how people there think because the relationship with the state that the young people or the people there have is very different to other parts of the country if you speak to youngsters there they have fought against uh, afspa they fought against the uh, indian state on many occasions in the you know the yeah. last two decades and uh, at the same time one of the people that i spoke to and held conversations with explained it to me this way they said that in a village if somebody knocks on the door it could be anyone it could be an armed militant group or it could be the indian army it could be someone there to plant a gun or it could be just your neighbor so you never know wow. what could be the uh, you know where when a situation can go from something that's joyful playful to something serious and of course many of the people that i spoke to had never seen something like the conflict that you are seeing this year uh, this has been a dark reminder of what uh, the 90s might have been like but uh, well, it was i think as a reporter to try and get this sense 
and uh, the first few days will just go in you know getting your bearings there. right definitely yeah. another thing is about internet shutdown internet shutdown yeah. was big issue for because we could not cross check stories we definitely. could not cross yeah yeah and just have one last question is uh, how you all think the mainstream media reported has been reporting over the last 4 months on the issue has there been has it mm. been starkly different from independent portals such as ours that have been reporting well when you leave it to media we can say that these are the areas where the godi media are much more focused uh on the what is that women's name the pakistani spy or something seema seema haider seema haider seems to men area of focus yeah uh, just like our chief minister focusing on chandrayaan instead of addressing the present situation so but at, i f- i feel that many independent uh, journalists and uh, media houses like news on did a very good job the print did a very good job where and uh, news minute of course yeah. like this independent media they have not just been like parachuting in mm. but rather they have gone in there they have dealt, uh, seen the situation they have access assess the situation and uh, it's even so much confusing for people who are grown yeah. there but for people just coming in and just going out in a couple of days that doesn't make sense but see, some of the national media I won't take their names but some of their reporters leave much to be desired uh, on the flip side the independent media and the other news firms which i have just mentioned as yours also mm. i think the job was very well done okay thank you so much thank you to three of you for your insightful uh, insights insightful <laughs> insights if i can say that and i would urge our listeners to please uh, log on to news minute news laundry and frontier manipur and read the extensive reportage now just for the last segment of the podcast um, i'd like to ask you guys for your recommendations I actually want to recommend a book called Flame on a Hill. This was uh, recommended to me by a friend in Imphal. Okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a collection of short stories and it's uh, basically from Chandel. It's written by an author, Shelmi Sankhil. Okay. So I'm, I've just started reading the book based on the recommendation and uh, and it's been a good read so far. Shiv, what about you? People should read Prajwal's story on uh, on drugs. And and war on drugs. <laughs> war on drugs. Yeah. Okay, definitely. And if... Paujil could suggest books on North East for journalists who want to cover North East. Yeah, I Any think reading suggestions. Pradeep uh, Panjabum's Clarioscope of Manipur is quite a good read also. Mm. There are many others. Mm. But uh, what I would say is like, let's, we should try to segregate what is the factual things that we read mm. and the ones which are actually mm. uh, the, on the ground situation which are relevant. Mm. So the readers, especially from the uh, across the chicken neck hmm. should focus on the real issues yeah. in hand they mm-hmm. should decide on which news channel is giving the real information and as not many books are come but i in future will come out about this incident lots of them i, I, I believe can, i'm I, sure I, people I, I, are already <laughs> writing drafts <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we have to uh, at least hmm. i would advise hmm. them and the, your listeners hmm. to verify hmm. the news and the, which news to listen to also credible news reports definitely uh, i'd like to recommend um this is our first conversation about something not money put in the last one hour closer home uh, there was a lot of violence in new in haryana mm. that went on 10 days ago um there's an investigation in frontline uh, how the demolition drive in new went against court orders and due processes mm. by sukriti watson priyansha chauhan uh, it's an extensive report about uh, that fact checks haryana's claims in the high court about the unauthorized constructions so i'd like to recommend this and of course the reports on frontier manipur news laundry and news minute thank you so much guys for joining us this podcast is now adjourned news laundry is possible because of our paying subscribers we don't run on corporate or government ads you too can be part of changing the news model go to newslaundry.com/subscription be a part of the community that pays to keep news independent for the smoothest news laundry experience download our app watch our shows listen to our podcasts read our reports stay informed pay for news protect democracy save the world